Hi guys, welcome back to Leash Gas. Can you believe it? It's been this long. As sad as it is to say, I thought it would never be this long until I'd be coming back for another season. But, yeah, I mean, shall we just start with the fact that Chubbs, my sidekick, is near me, snoring away, so I apologize for that. But, like I said, I never thought it would be this long. I never thought that I would actually start this season where I'm starting right now. But you know what I said? I said, screw it. I'm going to do it now. And I'm not going to allow any outward distractions that are coming in to stop me from continuing to do what I love and what I'm good at and what the people want. So here I am, February 23rd, the day of my birth. I can't believe it. I'm not seeking happy birthdays from anybody, but it is my birthday, and I just said, screw it. This is what I want to do. Every day that is wasted, oh my gosh, Chubbs, can you stop? <laughs> he clearly doesn't care. Chubbs's birthday was February 20th, so he is technically now a 21-year-old. So he's clearly doing what he wants to do like every 21-year-old does, which is snore loudly as I'm trying to do a podcast. But what I was trying to say is um, during the pandemic, a lot of people decided to get on social media, get on um, podcasting, get on any boat, uh, so to speak, media wise that they could. And I thought that that was something that I would be able to do. And things just didn't work out that way. Um, The pandemic hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. It hit my family a lot harder than I thought it would. Everybody was affected differently. Um, I got some really, really, really tough news um, regarding certain members of my family that uh, needed a lot of time for me to digest and accept and start to um, really start to evaluate and deal with Um which is autism, um, and, and, oh my, wait a minute, Chubbs, can you please stop, Chubbs, I don't think he even will, that's the craziest part, okay, he kind of stopped, but it's gonna start again, so, autism, which is, is something that I've never dealt with, oh my gosh, I've never dealt with, and, I really can't say that I was highly educated on, you know, I, I never dealt with it before. I didn't, I can't say I didn't have friends that had it. I probably did have friends that have it. Um, I myself is a person that is neurodivergent, which, uh, which basically means, you know, the way that I think is different than other people. Um, I've struggled with ADHD my entire life. Uh, It took a very long time for me to get diagnosed with that and deal with that and uh, PTSD and all these these intricate OCD type things that all are really correlated within that. Um, I I don't want to make this episode completely about about all of that and and get into the mental health aspect with which one day I will, but I'm not comfortable really getting into it too deep right now. It's too delicate for me um, as, you know, this, like I said, has affected my family a lot more than I thought it did. 
Um, there was years of my life that I, I was with somebody that I had no idea was struggling with this. And, um, now I know, and now I know why other members of my family have it. So, um, it's just very difficult. The best way to describe it is it's, it's something that isolates you. It's something that makes you really turn inward and feel almost, um, I don't want to say shameful, but it's, it's similar to that feeling where you just don't, you don't trust people's judgments of how they're going to judge the people that you love that have it. So you, you're trying to overly protect them, which I know is probably not good, but it's just instinct. And it's something that really, really was something that I didn't think I would be like. And I just became that. And it's very hard to pull away from that. It's my personality to be very protective of people that I love, especially people that have been loyal to me and that have had my back, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> for a long time. And I, I find myself still in this position where I'm hyper protective and hyper nervous because I just don't want anybody to be dealing with more challenges that they already need to deal with, if that makes sense. When I was in fourth and fifth grade, I was highly bullied. I don't know if, if anybody, anybody that's listening has dealt with that. I'm sure some have and can relate to that. And bullying is so tough as it is, you know, tough when kids don't know that you have these challenges. So can you imagine kids that do? I, I don't even want to bring my brain there to think about because I'll just be knocking kids out left and right, joking, allegedly. Remember, allegedly. Everything's allegedly. And it's really tough for me because I, you know, in my early 20s, I thought to myself, you know, if I have children, if I have a family, you know, that's all I ever want. Like, that, that that's the ultimate. But as I got older, I started to question that and I started to think, am I ready for this? Is this something that I can handle? Is this something that I'm ready for in any capacity? You know, I looked back at my own family, my family tree and the genetics and uh, issues that were always there underlying with people's personality disorders. And I remember, or I'll never forget the day where I remember telling my therapist, you know, I, I got to tell you something. I really, I really feel pressured to have a family. I feel pressured by society, by religion and how I was brought up that that's, that's the ultimate, that that's the goal. That's what you need to do. And then you're happy. Well, I did all of that and it made me even more miserable. And I skipped a point there because I said to my therapist directly, you know, I, I feel so great telling you this finally, cause I've never been able to say this, but I, I don't want to have children. And the day that I said that I came home and I remember I felt sick and I found out that I was pregnant and then I found out, Oh my God, here I am again and a pregnant again. And it was 
both unplanned. Girls, if you're listening, I love you to death. This is this has no bearing on my love for you now, but this is just to be transparent and honest. Like I've always promised so many people, so many listeners, and it's important because I know there are other women out there that struggle with this. And they just it's just such a taboo subject to say, you know what, this is not what I planned. This is not what I expected to happen. And here I am and I'm struggling with the realization of where I am. And this isn't something that you can take back. And I'm struggling with the perception of, like I said, society, um, how I was raised, which was extremely religious um, and uh, just conservative beyond measure and my own being, my own personality is not that way. My, my whole aura was just not the way that I was taught to be. I'm extremely open-minded, extremely free-spirited. I, I am, I'm a person that isn't prejudiced against other people. I love everybody. I want to love everybody. And I want to protect my children so much. And I'm at this crossroads in life where I'm like, I have to realize that I can't protect them from everything. But I also struggle with the fact that I'm like, wait, I didn't ask for this. And I know it sounds absolutely absurd and almost crazy in a way, but it's what I think about. It's what I think about every single day. And I know there are other people out there that deal with this. That's why, again, this is exactly why I'm bringing it up because this is the reason why so many women go through postpartum depression because they hold all this in after the baby's born, after that they, you know, have experienced these small little milestones and everyone's like, you're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be happy. Nobody ever, you know, ever mentions to you before you have a child that, uh, you're going to have a really rough patch. Like your hormones are going to be out of control and you're not going to be just falling in love with your child. Like I was told by my biological mother that once you hold your child, all the pain goes away, all the remembrance of the pain goes away and you fall in love and it's this loving, wonderful thing. Well, that's no, that's not what happened for me. That wasn't my story. Yes, of course, I loved my child, but it, it, it was traumatic for me. It was very scary. I, I wasn't, I don't, I don't believe I was ready. And I was scared because I knew of the issues that were within my own family. And I knew that I didn't want to bring that same cycle into my own. And it almost was this like pivotal traumatic moment where I went, oh shit, here we are. What do we do now? And it, it's almost like it was yesterday and I'm still in that mindset. So, you know, long story short, I, I've taken a lot of time and I've been dealing with a lot of other things, you know, not to mention just this, that have nothing to do with this. Um, just legal stuff and uh, stuff that's just boring and I don't want to get into, but I'll, I'll get into later on um, in another episode. But you know, it's just the pandemic just changed everybody. I mean, you see it with celebrities, you see it with um, people next door, you see people just saying, you know what, 
I don't know when is going to be my last day. And that's what that's almost the beautiful part of something like a pandemic or, or a, a, a major moment in our life and society where you're locked down to really stop and think of, wait a minute, am I living my best life? Am I living a life that is fulfilling to me personally? And that's where, what I wanted to get to that point is that I've forgotten what makes me happy because I've put so much pressure on myself to be there for other people that I literally woke up and I'm like, I am absolutely miserable. I'm unhappy. I forgot what it is to be happy. I'm just literally going day by day, barely getting by mentally for those that need me. And as much as the world and society and and your friends and your family tell you, like, all you got to do is focus on your kids. All you got to do is focus on your kids. All you got to do is focus on your family. I disagree. You need to focus on yourself first, because if you don't do that, everything starts to crumble. And ultimately, you yourself fall the hardest. And... I'm trying to find that balance right now. I'm trying to find the balance of dealing with, you know, two neurodivergent children that require extreme support nonstop and finding a way to make myself say, I am taking the time to do what I love, which is podcasting, which is media, which is focusing on my media business. And not stopping and not allowing excuses in my own mind where, I mean, for an example, when I first had my child, I was like literally finding myself in a position where I wasn't taking a shower. I know, gross, but (laughs) seriously, I was just not showering and and it it wasn't something that I was like saying, I'm not going to do it. It's just, I was so like, okay, got to feed the dog, got to do this, got to do that, got to do this, got to do that, got to... It just wasn't time. And then before you know it, you're exhausted. You go to bed, you wake up, you do the same routine. And before you know it, it's like a week goes by and you're like, oh my God, like I got to, I got to shower. Of course it wasn't that long, but you know what I mean? I have a bidet. So that kind of changes things up a little bit. Um, or I should say freshens things up a bit, but, um, the point isn't about stinking or the, or showering. It's about, literally losing who you are as a person. And this goes for men and women. Um, I've seen friends of mine completely transform their lives and had the courage and the ability, as I like to say, to go, you know what, screw it. I'm not living my best life. I don't want to live in in New York anymore. I'm going to move to Puerto Rico and I'm just going to live there. And that's it. And the pandemic allowed them to make that crucial decision that they may have been sitting on for many years. And I, I was hoping that I was going to be able to do that. I didn't get, I didn't get that feeling early on. I was more about hunkering down and I'm curious to to see my listeners and how you guys have used the pandemic (coughs) in a positive way, or if it affected you negatively, because I was definitely one of those people that it did not affect me positively. I really hunkered down. It's in my nature to do that, to preserve, to protect those very close to me, which I personally think is, is a positive thing, but it definitely got to a point where it was unhealthy. And I just, oh, that was another thing. I decided not to drink 
during the pandemic at all. And I had friends that were, you know, drinking heavily and, and people falling off of sobriety and all of that stuff. And here I am just like, I'm just not going to drink during the pandemic, which I think really made things worse. I'm not saying drinking is great, but I just, and I never was a heavy, heavy drinker, but I decided to do that. And there, there's major consequences to being a social drinker and, and then just stopping. That's another thing I don't think people really take into consideration. Um, because at that time that was really the only way to socialize or, or not the only way, that's the wrong way to put it. But, you know, my way of socializing with friends. And once that stopped, it was like, okay, now I'm looking at four walls. And then the four walls just became comforting. And then before you know it, the four walls are all you need. And the walls behind those walls are terrifying for you to to even enter. And, you know, so on and so forth. Before you know it, you don't even want to leave your house. And I don't want to say when exactly that started to happen, but it, it really got to a point where I'd have to literally give myself pep talks on to get out of my house, to go to the grocery store, to go anywhere. And I can't even believe I'm saying it. I'm trying to laugh, but it, it's not funny. It it really became a major, major problem for me. And I, I almost can't explain to you why or how or it just slowly started to integrate into my life where I was like, you know what, this is what we need to do. I, I, I started making excuses for myself that, that were far beyond executive orders of staying inside or masking. And, and that's another thing. Like, I just didn't want to go out in a mask. You know, I suffer from allergies. So I was like, screw that. I don't, I don't want to deal with a sweaty mask on my face unless I need to. I'm sure people can relate to that. I'm not against masks. But I just said, if I don't need to do it, then why am I going to go out into the world? There's nothing to go and do and enjoy right now. And there are people that view the world, you know, glass half empty or glass half full. And I really, really have become, and I've noticed that uh, ever since my dad passed away, um, now it's been many years ago, that my perspective on life is the glass is half empty or trauma is looming, or, you know, the ball's going to drop any day. And I think anybody can relate to that that's dealt with a major loss or a trauma. And when you couple multiple traumas together, whether it's, you know, a family dying or the pandemic, which was traumatic for a lot of people. Um, I mean, trauma is, you know, a self-description of whatever your, your trauma is. I can't say what trauma is, but your own definition can be whatever it, it needs to be. But what I found in myself was that I just, I was just sat on the remote. Thanks, bud. Um, is that I definitely am prone to this feeling of isolation and you know, it's funny, I spoke to my therapist about it and they said it's because of there's so many different characteristics within your personality, but not just that. It's the fact that you have kids that that are so specialized that it's hard for you and your mind to relate them to other people, which on the contrary, I should just be like, you know what, 
this is this is the way it is. They're going to socialize and that's it. But I'm so hyper protective of them being bullied or anything like that that I just I just want to protect them forever and it's such an unrealistic view and I'm well aware of that um and I'm also determined to make them better and and make them the best versions of themselves that they can be make them strong enough to take on the world and all of the ugliness that I know is going to hit them at one way or one point in their life and I feel like that's my job as their mother to do that. So this is just a glimpse of what I've been dealing with. This is just one aspect. There's been other aspects. There's a lot of things that are up in the air right now that have been extremely stressful for the past, I'd say, like 10 months now. Um, And I apologize for not being there. It's just I really, when I do this, I really want to put my heart and soul into it. And if I'm super distracted, I can't do that. I can't give you my best. So I finally hit a point where I said, screw it. This is my happiness. This is something that brings me joy and is a passion of mine. And it's something that I need to share with my listeners. And here we are, you know, another season, another year, another uh, very long run around the sun on my birthday today. And it's not the happiest day, but it's, it's a day where I reflect so much on how much I've overcome. And it reminds me that whatever I have to face in the next year, which is a lot, I'll definitely be able to overcome. But it's so funny. Once you go through things in the moment, you don't think that things are as tough as they are. You say to yourself, well, I just got to get through this day, or I have to just get through another day. And then after you go, how the hell did I get through that? Maybe it's just me to say that, but I've heard this from other people. You look back and you go, how the heck (coughs) did I get through all of that? And then when another challenge comes up, you're like, how am I supposed to get through this? And you completely forget that, oh my goodness, I've dealt with so many things and I've overcome so many things. Of course I can deal with this. So (coughs) I feel like the pandemic has brought on a whole nother of um, issues and uh, characteristics and um, personality traits with people around me and within myself that were just almost dormant and that didn't know that they would be ever able to come out. And they did. So I'm happy that I now know about them. I'm happy that I I'm here, I'm standing and alive, and there are so many people that passed away that, you know, I personally didn't have to experience, and I'm trying to look at the positive, but um, it's definitely taken me a, a lot longer than I ever anticipated to get back, and I'm, I'm really sorry about that because... The plan was not this long. It really was not. And uh, I almost became fearful of coming back, which is, that's when I said, no, 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 I'm coming back. That's one thing about me, Werner. It's like, it it would almost be like saying, 
I, I'm afraid to drive my car. If I get to that point, then it's like, okay, we need, inter- we need an intervention. We need like, you have severe social anxiety now, like this is bad. And that's where I was getting, like, I, I really was getting that bad. So, um, I'm happy I'm back. I'm so happy you guys are here to listen. And I promise you that, um, I will not under deliver in any possible way. I, there's no way that I, I can at this point, the ball is rolling and, I'm excited to discuss so many cases that have happened um, throughout the past few months um, and really get into my thoughts and my processes of all of this. One thing that I really, really got into um, after this quick break that I want to talk about is what I was obsessively watching throughout the pandemic. And I'm so curious if you guys have got into this as well. And if not then, now you might have. It's actually really interesting. So like I was saying, I really got into these um, predator catcher videos on YouTube. I, I got to a point where I was watching them all night long, all night. I was completely obsessed. And there's a part of me, like many of you know, I love true crime and it's really what my focus is. But I I started to become so focused on the mentality of these predators and what makes them want to do this. What makes them have any thought process that is of the ideal okay, this is the right thing to do. I just, I, I, maybe because, you know, like a friend of mine said, you know, Leash, you're not that way, so you'll never understand the way that they think. But that's not enough for me. I, I had to watch and watch and watch and learn their mannerisms and learn how they manipulate and why they do it the way that they do and, and how easy it is for them to gather information on a young kid and, and uh, lure them out. I, I, I can't get over how many. Um, I noticed that there was a lot coming from an app called Grindr. Um, I mean, it was just unbelievable. There, these guys and girls that do this, I, I truly commend. You know, they, they go online and they, they decoy as a young child. And they really tell these predators everything that they want to hear. You know, I will preface all of this with the fact that, you know, it's definitely not entrapment because these predator catchers and their decoys will always wait until they are contacted first by the predator. So the predator can't say, you entrapped me, you know, you lured me in. They can't say that. And every single time that they they decide to meet the predator and the decoy and these guys show up with a video camera it's the same excuse every time. I find it just so interesting how and why people lie and at what point do they realize like, okay, I can start lying. And then now this is the point where they have too much on me. Now I should start talking. Um, That whole dynamic was so interesting to me. It wasn't even about what these people were doing, these predators. It wasn't I don't want to say it wasn't about the kids. Obviously, it was about the kids. But for me, it was more about at what point in the human brain do you realize I'm caught? There's there's no going back. 
and I should just be honest. Like, there's guys that ran immediately, which, by the way, I'm so, so surprised that not many just ran off. Like, there would just be a few that would run off. So many were, and I hate to say, (laughs) dumb enough, but they really were dumb enough to stand there and explain themselves and incriminate themselves on videotape, but many did. And their simple line was always this. It was always... I thought you were 18. I thought you were this. I thought you were that. And that to me is just a mind blowing statement when they were told maybe three, four times that who they were talking to was 12, 13, some as low as eight years old. I mean, and they still just say, hey, I have no problem with that. Come on over or or this is the kicker or I'll pay for your Uber and come on over. And it was all towards kids. I don't want to say all, but I'd say 90% of kids that as a decoy stated that they had a single parent, that they were home alone, that, um, or if their parents worked late. So I really encourage everybody that has a teen or a preteen to really have a monitor on their phones. Um, and I don't even know if that's enough. I, I, I really don't. I, it, it was so scary to me to see how easy it is for these people to prey on kids and lure them out so fast. I'm talking within minutes. There were, some of them were within minutes of just saying hello. So, I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, that's kind of where my focus has been. And at some point, I'd like to have one of these um, major predator catcher groups on the podcast to discuss just everything, just why they decided to do it, their own personal stories, what it's like to deal with these aggressive predators. And to be honest, I want to know how the heck they don't completely lose it physically on these people. Because me personally, I I don't think that I would be able to listen to their nonsense for more than like a second unless they admitted to everything and said they had a problem or whatever. Uh, even then, I wouldn't be able to be calm, but I mean, I'd be calm, but I just, every single time when you hear, you know, I, I, I knew this was a setup. I knew it, you know, that's why I came to just pick them up and bring them home. Like, I mean, what kind of moron do you have to be to believe that? Like, truly believe that and they do it every single time and a lot of these people are married you know a lot of these guys that that are seeking young boys are married to women you know this is no discrimination to anybody who's you know gay straight bi trans none of that it's just it's the lying it's the deceit that really is interesting to me. And I really, truly believe at the end of the day that it's about the thrill. I mean, it it must be that. So I just wanted to, you know, start this entire season with something a little bit more mellow and explain to you guys where I've been, what I've been up to, um, which I really didn't get into much, but just explaining where my head's been at and uh, just that I've taken time for myself and maybe probably a little too much but I've really just detached and, and decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way. And then things just kind of started piling up um, personally. And 
those were things that I just had to deal with. So, um, things are moving along a lot of changes ahead and I'm excited for you guys to be along for the ride until next time. Thank you for listening.